Well, good morning, Rocky Peak. Great to see you. Uh, my name's Michael. I'm one of the pastors. If it's your very first time here, I do want to welcome you uh, to our church and just pray that God meets you in a very powerful way. But I want to welcome you in both right here in the worship center over in the ridge joining us. Uh, we're going to go into our time of teaching in just a minute, but I've got a couple important things to share with you. Isn't it awesome? It feels like summer out there. It's like we finally, we've got more Memorial Day. I don't care what the calendar says. Once you're past Memorial Day and it's hot, for me it's summer. So uh, I, June 21st is the official day. It was my dad's birthday, so I heard it every year. But uh, hey, summer begins. But uh, a couple of things that I want to uh, share with you that are important going on as we go into the summer. Number one is that this is promotion weekend for a lot of our kids. So kids, middle school, going to high school and so on. Uh, but today is a special celebration because we're opening up uh, a kind of new remodeled building. And so if you were to go to the far end of our campus, the furthest building on our campus, whether it's here or even for you at the Ridge, the furthest ending out towards the, the big parking lot, we call it the 118 parking lot, uh, that the, the last building out there, this last year we've been in a process of remodeling that. So we have completely gutted it, uh, redone the inside, so it's come out really well. Neil Johnson led that project, did a fantastic job with it. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it, we designed it so the external, kind of around the perimeter, there are uh, dual-purpose rooms for like classrooms or uh, offices during the week, make the best use of space. Uh, and then there's like a space in the middle for about uh, 70, 100 people for like mid-size, like an essential type class or a partnership class, really like that. Uh, and then it's, but it's, it's on the weekends, especially designed for middle schoolers. And so they're coming up today from fifth grade all the way up. And so it just looks awesome. I stopped in last night, got the video game thing going, got the TV screen. It's just a, the little platform, the stage. It's just in great space. And so I just want to thank you for that, but also make you aware that we are calling that, we're re renaming that building. Uh, it used to be called the F building, which was a definite lack of imagination. So we're, we're it's now going to be called the, uh, the Vista. And so uh, that's not where I'm from. That's that room out there. So uh, we've got the summit, the offices, and the Vista. So you'll hear that terminology now. We're excited about that. Secondly, uh, hopefully you got my email on Friday about Pastor Dave Cox and this exciting transition in their life. And we're really excited because Dave and Chris are going to still be part of our body here, very involved in a variety of ways. If you didn't get that email from me, out on our patio, there's a, a location called Starting Point. And they've got hard copies if you'd like a hard copy of that. And finally, I want to give you an update on our water initiative. You know, back in, in, um, in April, we did this water initiative. We do it every year where we, uh, for one week, we just only drink, uh, for beverages, we only drink water. We don't drink any other beverages. We save all the money that we would have, sa uh, we would have spent, and we bring it in to fund well waters, uh, uh, water wells for the, uh, for the poor in Africa, uh, where we're sharing the gospel of Christ to help advance the kingdom there. And so, um, as far as I know, I haven't confirmed this with our office, but I think it's the most, uh, most ever was raised. So in that one week we raised, catch us, $73,000 uh, for water wells. Um, and, uh, and that's on top of the $200,000 from Christmas that we raised for this uh, Uganda girls' home that's going ahead full, full steam. We'll give you pictures of that soon. So just an exciting uh, celebration of that. And thank you for your generous hearts and just funding the kingdom around the world. We're excited about that. So. Um, I think that's it in terms of our kind of special things I wanted to share personally. Um, we're going to go into our time of teaching right now, and inside your program is a green and white message note sheet from my favorite topics today. We're going to be talking about the voice of God. How do we hear the voice of God in our life? Learn to recognize, discern, follow that. And so I'm excited about that. So if you guys are ready to go, I'm ready to jump in. You ready to go? Okay, let's pray. 
God, we're just excited to be here. Lord, our, our motto as a church is listen and follow, and so we want to learn how to do that. And so we pray that as we come today and talk about how you speak, Lord, you recognize your voice, and most of all, how to listen and follow when you do speak. We pray that you would uh, give us uh, great understanding, insights. I pray for my words to be clear, voice to be strong. But most of all, that as a church, we be gathered around to hear what the Spirit is saying to your church. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, our story today uh, starts um, it's like a, it's like a normal day. Like if he looks back on his life, there was nothing as the day went on to suggest that this day would be different than any other day in his life. He'd gone through the day, he'd gone through his chores, now it's time for dinner, he ate dinner, it's time for him to go to bed. And so it's getting late, he's going to change his clothes and go to bed. In the far room, uh, across the uh, across the place, um, there's the old man that he lives with, and he's already turned in for the night. He's left the lamp burning, and so uh, as he lays down to go to sleep, he can he can see the flickering of the the the, uh, the flickering of the shadows on the wall, and it's that kind of sweet spot of the day where the day is done. You've you've done a good day's work, and you're tired, and you're ready to go to sleep. And just in that silent moment, uh, as he lay there in the dark. Uh, just with the flickering of the lights, uh, all of a sudden, he heard it. And at first, to be honest, looking back, it, it didn't seem that strange. It seemed somewhat familiar. But as he got up and began to explore, it began to get stranger and stranger until it happened. That moment that will forever be frozen in time. He remembers exactly where he was standing. He remembers exactly what he was wearing, the look of the room, the smell of the room, the furniture, where it's placed. But most of all, he remembers his insides. He remembers the emotions. He remembers that fear of, ah, a feeling of fear, of excitement, and confusion, anticipation, all senses on high alert. He remembers the moment it happened. Well, today, we are continuing this journey that we've been on for the last eight weeks. The series is called Pursuing God One-on-One. And what this series is about, if you're brand new, not only do I want to welcome you, but what it's about is that that we, we talk here at Rocky Peak about we want to pursue a relationship with God. The way I like to describe it, it's, it's both deep and authentic. And we've been talking about how do you pursue that kind of relationship one-on-one in your life, not just at church or in a small group, but one-on-one in your time alone with God. How do you develop this rhythm of relationship that leads to a relationship with God that transforms you, renews you, and then a uh, very deep and personal, uh, intimate uh, relationship. And, uh, and so the last three weeks, we've been talking about prayer, and we've, taught, we've learned that prayer is about relationship, and that just like any close relationship, there has to be honest conversation consistently for that relationship to grow. We've talked about prayer as relationship. Last week, if you're here, we talked about prayer as partnership, that prayer is not just about relationship. Prayer is how we partner according to Jesus. We partner with Jesus to bring the kingdom of the heavens to earth through partnering in prayer. But what we're going to see this week is that to experience prayer as relationship and to experience prayer as partnership, 
we have to learn how to, to recognize and discern and hear the voice of God in our life, experience what I like to call two-way communication. So not only we speak to God, but we sense God speaking to us. And so it's one of my favorite topics to, to talk about it because I think that once we begin to recognize and experience the voice of God in our life, that it transforms our relationship. It truly becomes a personal relationship. And so there in your note sheet, what I want to do today is I want to start with a couple basic assumptions, assumptions based on Scripture, but assumptions for this teaching. And so there in your note sheet, there's a section called Two-Way Communication, Two Basic Assumptions. So I want to jump in. I want to give those to you. The first one will go very rapidly. The second one take a little bit longer. But the first one goes like this, is that God speaks in a wide variety of ways. So when we talk today about God speaking to us, I want to be really clear. One of the things we'll see today is that God speaks in a wide variety of ways, and sometimes he speaks with a literal voice. It could be an audible voice that anyone could hear if you're there. It could be an internal voice of his spirit, but it's a voice. It speaks words or sentences or phrases, and that's one of the ways God speaks. But when I talk today about God speaking, what I'm really talking about is God communicating. Because what we're going to see today is that God speaks in a wide variety of ways, words, phrases, since it's only one of those ways. So this week, if you're going through the Pursuing God journal, I detailed seven examples, not an exhaustive list, but seven examples of how God speaks, you know, visions and dreams and uh, inner uh, desires motivated by the Holy Spirit and wise counsel. We kind of detailed several ways, but uh, today we're going to be focusing on, on, when I talk about God speaking, I'm not talking about necessarily a voice, but I'm talking about communicating. Number two, the second principle is that God is speaking. Uh, if I had to do this again and write these notes today instead of on Wednesday when I turn them in, I would say God is still speaking. That, you know, when you come to the Bible, we are introduced as God who speaks. He creates out of his, uh, well, his voice. Um, and, the, and the God of the, the Bible, he continues speaking throughout history. And so we see in the Bible, he speaks to Abraham and uh, he speaks to Isaac and Jacob, and he, he speaks to Moses and David and Jeremiah and Philip and Peter and so on. And so the idea is that God is still speaking today. The God who spoke then is still speaking today. He's not lost his voice, right? And so uh, uh, this, I think, for many followers of Christ is a little bit of intimidating concept, because if I were to ask you, how many do you feel like you've heard God speak to you, we'd probably have a very mixed response. Some of you would say, definitely, yes, but others would say, I don't really know if I've ever heard God speak, and sometimes we can feel a bit intimidated with this topic, like what's wrong with me, or I don't know how to do that, or whatever, but what I want to suggest today is that not only is God still speaking, but if you're a follower of Jesus, you've already heard his voice. Now, you may not have recognized his voice but you've heard his voice. This is what Jesus says uh, in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus says that if you're his sheep, you've heard his voice. And what I've found is that often in, Christian, in the Christian community, that uh, when I teach on this, that often people would say, yeah, I don't know if I've heard the voice of God, but the reality is it takes time to discern the voice of God. That many times that, um, I don't know if any of you are around these days, maybe you have young children, or maybe you have grandchildren, or you once knew a young child. Uh, um, but if you've found recently, this is amazing how children learn to speak. 
And like right now, one of my grandchildren's very close by here. I see her all the time. Is three years old. And so this last year or so has been a year of great learning to speak. And it's amazing how when kids start to learn, they don't know anything. And at first, they don't even hardly recognize a voice or the, what a voice means. But over time, they begin to piece it together. And you watch it over time as they begin to learn to understand some, not just someone speaking, but slowly discern that voice and what it means. But it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. And in our life, I think it's the same way, that God is often speaking to us as his children. He loves us. He's a good, good father. He is speaking, but often we haven't learned to recognize his voice. And so let me give you an example. Today we started the story with this young boy, this young man that is going to bed and all of a sudden he hears a sound. And some of you may recognize that story, its account. It's an account from 1 Samuel 3 of the calling of Samuel, the young boy, to be a prophet. What's so interesting, if you know that story or if you don't know the story, what, you know, what happens is he's laying down to go to sleep. He's living with the Eli, the old priest who's taken him in, who's in the other room. The lamp of God is still burning and he's kind of, there's light in the room, but as he's laying down, he hears a voice and the voice says to him, Samuel. And catch this, it is as clear as a bell. It is so clear and it's so familiar, he thinks it's Eli. So he gets up and he goes in and says to Eli, yeah, you called me? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. It happens three times. And the third time, Eli says, oh, I think I know what's going on. Next time, he says, what's going on is like God is speaking to you. And Samuel said, how could it be God? It doesn't sound like Charlton Heston. (laughs) Are you with me? That it was so familiar to him he just assumed it was the old priest. It didn't, like, what do you mean it's God? It doesn't sound like God. No deep, booming voice. It was so familiar, he assumed it was this old priest that he knew really well. And I think this is a great parable of learning to hear God's voice in our life, is that often God is speaking, but it sounds so familiar that it's like it often feels like even our own thoughts that we don't even recognize it until someone points it out. And so my goal today is to be sort of an Eli in your life. And if this is new to you and it's like you've not experienced it, some of you are going to be, you know, way ahead. I know what you're talking about. I got this wired. But for some of you, I want to be an Eli and say, hey, let's walk through and talk about how God speaks. And so today, I'm not going to be doing like I talked about in the journal. I'm not going to talk a lot about visions or audible voice or uh, wise counsel. I covered that there. I want to talk about three of the most common ways that God speaks to us as his children that we're often slow to recognize and it takes time to discern, all right? So there in your note sheet, you have a section called two-way communication, two basic, so that's why we already did that. Let's move on. That's good, because I'm already gonna be long. All right, so two-way communication, the Spirit's voice. So these are like three large buckets, large kind of uh, descriptive categories, as you'll see, and they're all very similar in the way I approach it So I'm going to give some big umbrella concepts and underneath and give some illustrations of how this works out. So the first one is in many ways the most important, but the one that we most undervalue. And this is what I would call spiritual illumination. So hang with me here. We're going to have to put on our thinking caps today. We're going to go a little bit big picture. I'm going to ask you to think a little bit. Uh, Not just going going to come down to specific examples, but, but let's talk about spiritual illumination. What does that mean? 
So uh, if you're going through the Pursuing God journal, back in, I believe it was week four, I introduced this concept of the illumination of Scripture. And what we learned there is that theologians refer to this is that, that, um, that uh, when, uh, one of the things that happens is when we come to Christ, the Holy Spirit begins opening our eyes to the truth of Scripture. So like in Psalm 119, you remember where the psalmist says, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things from your law. I know they're there, but I need you to open my eyes. We talked about Luke 24, where Jesus opened their minds after the resurrection. He opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. So spiritual illumination is where the Holy Spirit opens our minds, our hearts, so we can understand what the Bible is describing and see it as real, not just words on a page. That it becomes real to us. The word of God becomes the word of God to us. Um, and this happens in a couple different ways. But to illustrate this, I want to take you back to a story that I told way back in week four that illustrates this. If you're not in the journal, you'll get the story for free here. But uh, so back in week four, we talked about this, uh, that one of the most influential leaders of the whole Christian movement for the last 2,000 years is a man named St. Augustine. He was uh, operating the 300. So his story was... He was born to a family that had like a, a, mixed, uh, a mixed, uh, mixed parents in the sense of a, a religious background, spiritual background. His dad was a pagan, so he worshiped the, the gods. Uh, his mom was a devoted, passionate Christ follower. But very early in his life, as a young boy, he kicked the traces in terms of Christianity. It didn't seem intellectual enough to him. And so when he went away for school, he was very bright. They sent him away to Carthage uh, in North Africa, a major city, for his education. And uh, when he got there, he threw himself into philosophy, Neoplatonism, but he also threw himself into a very promiscuous lifestyle, a uh, very sexually promiscuous lifestyle. And so he went through philosophy. That wasn't really giving him the answers that he wanted. And so he began to pursue an alternate religion called Manichaeism that was popular at the time. Um, and, and so through his 20s, that was his life, philosophy, Manichaeism, uh, and sexual uh, promiscuity. But by the end of his 20s, he was kind of running out of answers, and he was beginning kind of desperate. He was kind of losing control of himself through his promiscuity. Um, uh, the, neither the philosophy nor the religion was providing answers, but outwardly, his life was going great. He was, uh, his career track was uh, upward bound. He, uh, he moved to Milan over in, in uh, what is now Italy, he moved to Milan to, be, to become a professor. And so on the outside, it looked great. Inside, his world's falling apart. And so at that time, he was exposed to some new followers of Jesus who were very bright, kind of intellectuals, and also some believers who were very devoted, high, high moral standards. And so it's this beautiful vision uh, of intellectual uh, brilliance and moral excellence, and it really captivated him. And he found himself drawn, like, maybe I need to rethink this in my life. And so he began going to church, he began reading the Bible, but it just wasn't working for him. The Bible was like sawdust, it didn't make any sense to him. He couldn't come a place of certainty in terms of who Jesus was, uh, and his life was out of control. And so in the midst of this confusion and darkness, one day he went to a park in Milan and he took a Bible with him just to try again. And as he sits down to read, it's just dry as dust, does not make any sense, can't make heads or tails of it. So he gets up and in his despair, he's walking through the park and he hears the voice of a child in the distance playing. And the child is playing this childhood game saying, pick it up and read, take up and read. It's in Latin, but take it up and, and read. And as he did, we talked about the creative voice of God, how he speaks in so many ways. 
that God just speaks to him through the voice of this child in a really powerful way that he needs to reopen his Bible and try again. So he goes back to the same park bench, opens his Bible, and as he opens up, his world changes. The word comes alive. It speaks with power. It speaks with force. It was a particular passage in Romans 13 where it says we're to put aside uh, uh, the darkness and put aside our drunkenness and put aside our sexual promiscuity and put on Christ. And as he reads that, it's like the words are leaping off the page. He hears the voice of God speaking to him. And in that moment, his certainty came. He knew Jesus was who Jesus was. He knew this was his call to leave everything to follow. And in that moment, his life changed forever. And he became one of the most powerful proponents of Christianity in 2,000 years. We are still, whether you know it or not, drinking deeply of the impact of St. Augustine today. And so this would be an example of what theologians would call spiritual illumination, where before you come to Christ, the Word of God, and many of you will remember this. Now, if you grow up in a Christian home, this is almost a disadvantage at this point. There's certain advantages, but this is a disadvantage. If you grow up in a Christian home and you love Jesus when for you're young, the Word has always spoken to you. So you've never known what it didn't, but if you came to Christ later, chances are if you tried to read the Bible before you came to Christ, it was dead, it was dry, it was boring, it was religious, it was history, it had nothing to do with your life. And when you came to Christ, you went back to that same Bible and it's like, who changed the book? Right? This happened to my wife when she came to Christ. She had tried to read the Bible. It made no sense. The weekend she gave her life to Jesus, she, the next weekend she, next week she came home, opened up the same Bible, and she literally opened the book and turned it around and said, is this the same book? She was, she was like, someone changed the pages because the words are coming off the page. They're speaking with power. They're speaking with life. And we've all experienced this. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've experienced this. We have times here at Rocky, you're studying the Bible on your own, you go to a life group, you come to church, and there are times you have all told, not all of you, I don't know, every one of you, but so many of you have told me, I felt like when you were teaching or when Dre was teaching, it was like God was speaking directly to me. I don't know why everyone else was in the room and this message was obviously directed to me, Right? And this is just so common, and, but what we fail to realize is how supernatural it is. Before you came to Jesus, it was not like this. When you come to Jesus, the word begins to come alive. And catch this, the word of God, this written scriptures, is the primary way the Holy Spirit will speak, shape, and transform your mind and to lead you and guide you. And what we see is that for the follower of Jesus, this is not a one-time thing. It's not like as St. Augustine had that experience one time and then that was the end. It's the first of a lifestyle. And as long as we're listening and following, if we stop listening and following and start living in rebellion, the word will come dead to us again. But as long as we're listening and following, that word is gonna continue to speak. And here's the thing that we often fail to recognize how supernatural this is. So what happens, like if you went home today and as you're ready to go to sleep tonight, you heard, John. <laughs> and it happened three times. 
And finally, the third time, your wife said, John, I suggest you say, I've been to uh, CBS. I know this story. Um, <laughs> say, speak, Lord. Your servant's listening, right? And then if the Lord starts speaking in this really profound, this long thing, like you Samuel, my hunch be you wouldn't just roll over and go to sleep. You'd probably get out a journal. What can I write this down? I don't want to forget a word. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to get something wrong here. I want to make sure I pay attention. I follow this. I listen to this. But when we come to church and the Holy Spirit's opening our eyes or we read the Bible on our own, the Holy Spirit's opening our eyes. We're in a life group. We tend to go away and go, wasn't that an awesome service? Powerful. Wow, Dre was really on today. Ah, I think I'll go get a donut. <laughs> and so what's happening is God is speaking. The question is, are we listening? You see, the thing is, is often God is speaking in a very powerful way. We just don't recognize it because it's your birthright as a believer and it's common. But if I could rewind the clock in your life before you came to Jesus, you would have come to church. It would not have been like that. It would have been dead. It would have been boring. Now, sometimes, uh, sometimes the Holy Spirit takes his word and illumines it and applies it to our life in an even more powerful way. This is not routine. But sometimes you've been praying over an issue, you've been, uh, uh, there's something you've been asking God about, uh, or maybe you're going through a difficult time in your life, and as you're reading the word, all of a sudden, the word, a specific word comes alive. It's almost like the, the at times it could even be like it becomes more like bold on the page. But it, it speaks to you in specific power, and it's like the Lord is taking a word that he once spoke to Joshua or Abraham or Isaiah, and he's speaking it personally to you. This is now becoming a personal promise to you. So not just a general principle of how life works, the Holy Spirit's showing you, but he's taking a specific promise, right? Maybe it's from Joshua 1 about do not be afraid, be courageous, be strong, I'll be with you. Or maybe it's from Isaiah, when you pass through the fire, I will be with you. And this thing just comes alive and it speaks to you. And this is one of the ways the, the Lord speaks to us and it's fairly common among Christ followers. But here's the thing, that we often miss it when it's happening. I remember the very first time this happened, I was in a dating relationship that was a bad relationship. Not because uh, it was something wrong in it, it was actually the best relationship I'd ever been to that point. But it was wrong because I had come out of a highly dysfunctional relationship and I had made a commitment to the Lord for this next season, I am not going to date, I'm gonna do a relational dating fast, which I highly recommend when you come out of a dysfunctional relationship. I mean, a dating fast, because I need to get back on track with you, Lord. I need to get back with you and walking with you and to get strong and before I enter into that, you know, treacherous territory. So, um, and so I made this commitment, and then, of course, it gets tested, this beautiful, uh, Jesus-loving, uh, Michael-loving girl comes into my life and it's like, yeah, remember that commitment? I think I'll put that on hold. I'm going after her. And so it's tearing me up inside because it's a great relationship, but I, I know I'm, I'm violating what I, my commitment. I know it's wrong. 
And it's crazy because one night I remember I was reading it and God used this verse from Proverbs that had nothing to do with relationship, nothing to do with, it just had nothing to do. If you read it, you would like nothing. But it spoke to me so strongly that I needed to get out of this relationship. But the crazy thing is, if you would have asked me at the time, has God ever spoken to you? I'd say no. It wasn't until about two years later when this began to happen on a regular basis or more or regular that I began to, oh, that was God speaking. I just thought I was reading the word and saw a principle, you know, but it was like very clear in the rearview mirror. So what I'm saying here is that this is one of the most common ways that God speaks to his children and we just need to learn to listen because if we don't learn to listen, if we don't take it seriously, like if God is speaking to you in that way, you need to write it down. If he's spoken a vision or a dream, or so, you'd write it down. But when he speaks through his word, it's just so common. We're like, wow, amazing. And then God to the next thing, and we forget. There's a great quote there on your note sheet from uh, Henry Blackaby. And he says, what you do immediately after the Spirit speaks to you through his word is critical. Regularly review what you sense God has been saying to you. If God speaks and you hear, but you do not respond, a time could come when you do not hear his voice. Disobedience can lead to, quote, a famine of hearing the words of the Lord from Amos. If you hear God's word and do not apply it to, the, and apply it to produce fruit in your life, even what you think you have will be taken away. Be careful how you listen to God. Make up your mind now that when the Spirit of God speaks to you, you will do whatever he says. And this is the most important principle. If you only take one thing from today's message, here's what I want you to take. God speaks when we're ready to listen. God speaks when we're ready to listen, and so it's so important that when the Holy Spirit, what you'll find is like in the same way a young child grows in their ability to hear God, as you begin to listen the best you can to obey what he's showing you, guess what? Like a young child, you will hear more. Uh, You'll begin to learn more how to hear the voice of God, and of course it works the opposite way as well. So the first thing is spiritual intuition. Number two, I mean, spiritual um, illumination. The second one is spiritual intuition. And so for many of you, this is going to be a new paradigm, right? But I think it's going to be a life-giving, and for some of you, a life-changing paradigm. That if I were to ask you, how does God speak to us, or how does God reveal truth to us, I think many of us would say, well, sometimes it's through logic. You know, like if I'm sharing Christ with a uh, friend who doesn't know Jesus, and he may have questions. And I, I think, okay, well, I'm going to share with him about the resurrection of Jesus and the historical evidence. Or I'm going to share about uh, the, the testimony of changed lives. Or I'm going to share about the reliability of Scripture. And so we kind of assume that if we provide people with enough intellectual, logical information, that'll lead to revelation, that they'll get it. Uh, another thing that we often assume is that God will use uh, life experience to change us. So for example, maybe you came from a background where you were taught that, hey, the Bible is all we need. We don't need God speaking to us. God doesn't do miracles today. He doesn't heal today. There's certain gifts, prophetic gifts. They don't happen today. And you, you kind of bought into that. It's what you were taught. You didn't know any different. And then all of a sudden, you have a friend, a trusted friend who loves Jesus, loves the word, very credible, and they have some sort of supernatural experience in this area. And all of a sudden, it cracks your paradigm. It's like, wait a second. This person loves Jesus. 
Jesus. It's, this is helping them grow. This is obviously not from Satan. Maybe I've got it wrong. And so sometimes God will use, uh, you know, personal experience. You think of the Apostle Paul. He thought Jesus was a heretic, and then he met Jesus, and it changed his perspective. And so often God uses practical experience, a personal experience, to change and to reveal truth. So we got logic. We've got personal experience. But here's the third third way that God often leads us to truth that we're often unaware of until it's pointed out. And it's this category I would call spiritual intuition. That this is, uh, in other words, an intuition that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. When God reveals truth to us directly from his spirit to our spirit, not through logic, not through argumentation, not through practical experience, something wrong with all those things. God uses all these together synergistically, but through a direct revelation, his spirit to our spirit. You think of what uh, Jesus said to Peter when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. This is not a logic thing. My father's in heaven revealed it to you. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. There's a supernatural revelation, kind of an intuition that happens. Now, um, I want to give you some examples of this uh, in the scripture. Because once you, once you identify it, name it, you'll see examples. Until then, you may miss them. Like uh, all paradigms, we tend to see what our paradigm allows us to see. It tends to exclude anything that doesn't fit. And so I want to give you three biblical examples. Uh, the first one's from Romans 8. So Romans 8 is a powerful passage about what happens when a person comes to Jesus. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a sign you are a believer. You have the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we don't belong to him. But then he says something very powerful uh, in verse 16. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, this is interesting. He says, when you come to Jesus, before you come to Jesus, if you understand the book of Romans, you're an enemy of God. You're a slave to fear. God is the judge. You're under condemnation. You're a slave to fear. That's the context of Romans 8. He says, but when someone comes to Jesus, they change categories. They're no longer a slave to fear. They're no longer under judgment. They have been forgiven. They have become a child of God. We sing that song, right? No longer slaves. It's from this passage. And so he says, but when that happens, the Holy Spirit communicates directly to the believer, there's a new relationship here. So look what he says. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're children. This is not a logic thing. This is not a read your Bible and take it by faith thing. This is a Holy Spirit direct. uh, There's a way of knowing that's deeper than logic. And this is what I want you to catch. This, this intuition is not anti-logic, it is supra-logic. It's not, it's not a-rational, it's supra-rational, bigger than rational. And what you see the way the Bible works and the way God's designed us, he's designed us to be integrated people. Our mind, our bodies, our spirits, are all, they're all going the same direction. And so, it's, uh, so the intellect is a very important part, but there's, some, there's a way of knowing that's beyond intellect. It's deeper and it's higher than intellect. And it's by this spiritual intuition where the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to truth in a direct and intuitive way. Second example is in the book of 1 John. John is talking about this phenomena. We know the Bible teaches us that when a man or woman comes to Jesus, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come to live in us, don't they? 
John 14, Jesus says, I'll send the Holy Spirit to come. He said, the Father will come and the Son will come and we'll make our abode in you. And so we know this, that when a person comes to Christ, we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. God comes to dwell. But the question is, how do you know that? If I were to ask you as a Christian, how do you know that the Holy Spirit lives in you, that God dwells in you? Now, the way I was raised, the tradition I came up as a Christian, the answer would go like this. Well, the Bible says it, therefore you take it by faith and you believe it. There's nothing wrong with that. The Bible does say it, and there's nothing wrong with taking it by faith. But the full answer the Bible gives is much richer and deeper. Yes, the Bible says it, but what John's going to say is the way you know that God lives in you is by the Spirit who communicates to it directly. So look what he says. He says, this is how we know that he loves, that he lives in us, that God lives in us. How do we know that? You know, my, I was raised, well, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Right? Okay, so he says, that's not what he says. We know it by the what? The spirit he gave us. That the Holy Spirit communicates directly to the believer's life. The Holy Spirit is the one who, when we come to Christ, he's the one that directly communicates the authority of God's word. That's why it changes. The Holy Spirit communicates all kinds of spiritual truth in a direct and intuitive way. Look at the, the next passage, 1 John 2. It says, uh, you know, in, in, this, in their church, there were some false teachers who were trying to infiltrate and influence. And, and John says, hey, listen, when you came to Christ, you received an anointing. Which he, he, appears, he seems to be referring to uh, kind of the, the, this insight the Holy Spirit gives us. But he says, um, you have received an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. And catch this, you do not need anyone to teach you about these false teachers. Like you have an intuitive sense that they're wrong. He says that uh, you don't need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, or it's true, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And so when you come to Christ, there's this multiple, we experience the power of God, we have the intellectual arguments, we have the testimony of the word, and we have the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And so this, the Holy Spirit then gives us often a kind of a sixth sense, a spiritual intuition about spiritual truth. And the Holy Spirit can often use this to guide us in our life. Uh, there'll be times in your life where you come to a decision, you have a sense of what you're supposed to do that's beyond reason and beyond logic and beyond emotion. And uh, most Christians, I think, have experienced this, but again, because we often haven't called it out, we're not aware of it, so it just tends to pass. And we kind of know it, but it's like an echo at the back of our brain. We're not fully aware. Let me give you an example. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was at a wedding. A lot of you know Ray Martinez and Sarah Badano, who are two of our worship leaders, right? And uh, so they got, they got married, which is kind of a bummer because we used to have two worship leaders, and now the two have become one. But, uh, but anyway, I, I, was, uh, I was privileged. Lynn and I were invited to that wedding, and so we were there. And, uh, and, and you know, during the wedding or the reception, that Lynn and I were having a conversation with Christy Cox, you know, married to Dave Cox, our pastor. And so, uh, so anyway, uh, of course, I've known Christy for 13 years, but she told us a fascinating story that's a great example of spiritual intuition. So she said that when she was in high school, probably a junior in high school, and if, uh, she, she grew up in San Diego County, just like me, not, very, uh, few, not many miles away, in Escondido. You know, I grew up in Vista. 
And so, um, and so when she was a junior in high school, she wanted to go on a road trip with several of her friends. They wanted to go to a California state school, I think, for you know, their in-state residents. They wanted to go to a four-year school. And so they're going to do a road trip of, of colleges, California colleges, in you know, state schools in California. And so as they're driving up, they're coming through the, uh, by, you know, on, on the 405, and they start seeing signs for Cal State Northridge. And they'd never heard of Cal State Northridge. They didn't know that was a school. And so um, they hadn't planned to stop there, but they're, hey, we're on a road trip. We got the time. Let's swing by. And so they did. And Chrissy talked to a couple people on campus, like, you know, counselors or department heads. I can't remember what it was, but just... But she said, as she described him, she said that I knew the moment I talked to him that this was where I was supposed to go to school. And this wasn't because she was going down a mental checklist of everything she wanted, check, 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 check. This was a direct, intuitive knowledge from the Holy Spirit that she knew in a part deeper than her mind, deeper than her emotions, in that part we call your spirit, she knew that this was the place. If you were to ask her how, she couldn't explain how, she just knew. Now, we'll talk about this later. Obviously, when you have this kind of intuition, we need to weigh it, we need to pray about it, a wise counsel, all that, yes, yes, yes. And so she did that. She continued on the road trips, all the other things, but she knew this was the place. And sure enough, that was the place. And so when she came up here, she'd heard about Rocky Peak through a mutual acquaintance, so she started attending. She started going to a college group. They were looking for a college pastor. They didn't have one at the time. They needed a college pastor. And so she started praying, God, would you send a man who loves Jesus, loves, just loves people, who's a great shepherd, has a shepherd heart, has a passion for you? And God answered that prayer, and guess who the pastor was? Dave Cox, right? <laughs> Now, they, they didn't get married for a time because that would be a little weird if she, you know, he married her, but a college student. Hey, it's my freshman wife. But, um, <laughs> but you know, years later, they, they got married. And think of how her life changed from that one experience with the Holy Spirit in a direct, intuitive way, saying this is the place, you see. Um, I know in my life, uh, in a similar van, my hunch is that for many of you, that you can relate to. There's been times in your life where there's been a prompting. There's times in your life you've had a direct, intuitive sense about something that you couldn't explain. You were going to go to a church and everything looked good on the outside, but something was telling you this is not right. And you decide not to go there, and six months later, the pastor has been having an affair for two years. And it's like, thank you, Holy Spirit, right? Uh, maybe you are about to make a, a large purchase, maybe a car or a house, and you just, something did, everything lined up logically, but just it didn't feel right as you pray. And so you listened, and then it turned out God had a whole different plan, and you're just so thankful. I think many of us, probably most of us have experienced this. We just often haven't had words or language to recognize what is going on. In my own life, this became very powerful for me uh, that... Um, that when I was in college, I went through a time of deep surrender to, to God that was uh, kind of after uh, like seven dark years. And uh, after that, that time of surrender, the presence of the Holy Spirit just suddenly became very real to me. Like up to that point, if you'd asked me, do you believe you have the Holy Spirit? I would have said yes. Why do you believe it? Because the Bible says I do. But, but after that point of surrender, I just had a new sense of the presence of God in a part in my life that was like deeper than thought, deeper than emotion. And uh, I would now call it my spirit, but I, I didn't really know that at the time. I, just, I couldn't really even describe, I just knew it. And what I found is 
From that point on, the Lord began at times there'd be decisions I was making that I just wouldn't have peace about going a certain direction. And I couldn't explain it, but I sensed it was the Holy Spirit, and so I began to listen and follow. And as I began to do that, that sense of Spirit's direction, what I had peace to do. So when I describe this peace, I'm not talking about, I'm not, it's not another way of saying, I just wanted to do this, I had peace about it. I'm not talking about logic or emotion. I'm talking about something deeper because often what I had peace to do was the last thing I wanted to do. Like I wanted to go right, right. I wanted to go right and I'm praying about it and, try, and I could not get peace about that and I surrender, okay, Lord, if you want me to go left, I'll go left and the peace would be there, you see? And so it was something deeper. It was a new part of a walk with God And I believe this, that when we get serious about listening and following, don't be surprised if this sense of spiritual intuition begins to rise. And as you begin to listen, don't be surprised if he begins to lead you so an intuitive sense of what to do in situations that's beyond you. And of course, we have to test this all out and all that. And we'll talk about later, how do you discern when God is speaking But for now, I just want to highlight that spiritual intuition for the life of a follower of Jesus is a very important thing. Now, number three. The third way that the Holy Spirit often speaks that we can be slow to realize is through what I call spiritual downloads. So we know that God speaks with words. We had a great example today. It was Samuel. Samuel, I mean, he, if you were there, I think it was probably audible. You could have heard it. There's other examples in the New Testament after the Holy Spirit comes of the Holy Spirit speaking at times. And it's hard to tell, honestly, whether it's audible or internal voice. But it's very clear. It's a voice. It's language. It's sentences. It's words. This one example I put on your note sheet from the life of Philip, the evangelist, the deacon in, in uh, Acts, where um, the Lord has directed him to go out to this particular location And when he gets there, it says, the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, that's pretty specific, right? It's not just a thought. It's not just an impression. It's not a hunch. It's not a natural desire. It's not a vision. But the spirit is speaking very clearly. Go to stand by that and don't let that get away from you. Keep up with that. And so it's a great example of listening and following. You didn't tell him what's going to happen when you get there. Just go up there. And of course, this led to the conversion of this, this high, high-end Ethiopian official. Um, but but there's, there's always, we have examples in Scripture, and God still works this way today. Some of you may experience this, where the Lord has spoken to you either audibly or through an internal voice, and it's very clear. Uh, this is one way that God speaks to my wife, not so much to me, but he'll speak to my wife this way, where she will you know, have a word, a message, and she'll write it down, and it's like, no, it's exactly these words. And I think many, many people, many Christ followers experience this, right? So, so God can speak in words, but here's what I want you to catch. When I talk about spiritual downloads, God can speak in words, but he often doesn't speak in words, and words aren't always the best way to communicate. You see, for you and I, as human beings, words are a very effective way. It's probably our best way to normally communicate my thoughts to you. Like if I was up here right now, and just like this. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> All right, unless you're like Vulcan or something, right? Like we can't do thought to thought. I think someday we will. With Jesus, we probably will. But we can't do thought to thought. I mean, a little bit, right? 
like a look across the room. Like if you're married, you know how this works, right? <laughs> like my wife can be across the room and she can give me a look and it's just a look, but it can communicate, right? It can communicate, what are you doing? When are we leaving? I thought you said we were gonna be here a short time. If you want dinner tonight, I would suggest that you get in the car, you repent of your sin. Ask Jesus to forgive you first, then me second. And then this evening may go okay, right? And it's just a look, right? I'm just kidding, it's more likely I would be doing that to her. But, uh, but anyway, uh, but we know that a touch can communicate it, can't it? Like in a situation, you can be in a, a sense, a tense situation, and a simple touch can communicate so much. But most of the time for us as human beings, we need words to communicate our thoughts. Here's what I want you to catch. God does not need words. And words are often a very inefficient way to communicate. They have strengths and weaknesses. But that's why one of the ways God communicates is I call it a spiritual download. And the reason I call it that is it's much like receiving a file from the internet. Like I can download a PDF from the internet and it comes in a flash, but it's all there. I can put it into words fast, but it comes, it's like full-blown message, you know, and boom, you see it, and it's clear. And so many times in our life where you'll be praying, this happens to me fairly routinely, I'll be praying on this, praying on that, I'll be in the shower, I don't know why, the shower is like my tent of meeting, but uh, it's often in the morning, my mind is fresh, and boom, the thoughts just start coming. Maybe a direction for the church. It might be a message that's coming. It might be a new point in a message. But boom, it's just coming. And it's coming hard, fast, and quick. And it's boom. And the moment it comes, I could put it into words. But it didn't come in words. So it can be an impression. It can be a check in your spirit. It could be an idea. Uh, It could be uh, an answer to prayer. It could be a a clear sense of direction, but it can come very fast. And it comes with a certain sense of power and uh, and qualities that are different from your own thoughts. And of course, it raises the question, well, how do we discern that? And so that's where uh, I'd like to go next. But before we do that, I want us to look, I think David is describing a situation like this. Um, They're in, in... um, in, let me find it. Uh, it's in the Psalm 16, um, where David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me, even at, my, at night my heart instructs me. So it's very interesting, and you know, in Hebrew, uh, there's parallelisms. You know, the first, the first line is repeated by the second line in different words or added onto. And so David is clearly saying that that when he's at night, maybe it's on his bed, maybe he's waking up, he doesn't just give us a detail, but he says that the Lord is counseling him and he senses it. It's not coming through uh, a prophet, it's not coming through a seer, it's not coming through uh, Urim and Thummim. It's not, the Lord is counseling him, he's very clear on that, but it's not with words. He said that he realizes his counsel is coming from his own heart, but as it comes to him, he recognizes it's not from him. And this will be a great example of what I, I'm talking about, like what I call a spiritual download. So 
So here's the thing. Whenever we believe God's speaking to us, whether it's opening his word, illuminating his word, giving us a verse of scripture, um, whether it is spiritual intuition, a sense of what we're to do, a peace about what we're to do, a, a warning here, a sense of knowledge. I know what you know, God has communicated this college. Uh, if it's a spiritual download, this idea comes, we believe it's from the Lord. Uh, whenever we believe the Lord has spoken, we always have to discern it, don't we? We always have to say, is this really from the Lord, or is it from me, or is it from the enemy? And here's what I want you to catch. This is true regardless of how clear the message is. Just because you hear a voice, John, doesn't mean it's the Lord. You think when Jesus was with his temptation before his, his, uh, the world, the Satan was very clear with him. Very clear communication, but it wasn't from his father, it was from the enemy. And so we have to learn to discern, regardless of how it comes, whether it's a vision, a dream, wise counsel, uh, desire, like I talked about this week with Nehemiah, is what God put in my heart to accomplish for Jerusalem, um, whether it's an internal voice, an external voice, uh, intuition, uh, a prompting, we always have to discern, is this from the Lord, or is it from me, or is it from the enemy? And so the question is, how do we discern this? And it's so critical we get this right, because if we don't, we can get off track. And so um, there in your note sheet, you have a section called Two-Way Communication, Learning to Discern. And what I want to do is give you four questions I think will be helpful as you learn as a young child to listen and follow your father to discern your father's voice. And so here we go. Number one. The first question, and this is the most important question, is what's the message? In other words, whenever you believe God is speaking to you, there's always a message. There's something to do. There's a message that's being communicated, a truth, a commitment, a, 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 a truth claim. Something's being communicated. So what's the message? And this is most important because here's what I want you to catch. When the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures will never speak in a way that violates the scriptures. The Holy Spirit who is God will never lead you to do something that violates the character of God. So the word of God and the character of God become the guardrails of our life when we're learning to discern God's voice. And this, this really handles about 99% of the, the issues. Um, there's, a very, there's a great passage in 1 Thessalonians that I didn't write down. I want you to write it down now so you can look at it later. It's 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 to 22. It's a very important passage because um, this, like when it comes to hearing God's voice, there are sort of two mistakes that we can make. Think of it like a road. You can go off the road to the right or the left. And this, the one mistake is to say, well, God doesn't speak today. We have the Bible. We've gotten the written word of God. God's no longer speaking today. And that's a big mistake because it limits the way we can hear God and it violates the teaching of the word of God. The word of God says we've been given the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead us into all truth and all things. And so it's like, so when we limit ourselves that way, we often do it out of fear. Well, we don't want to get off track if I just stick with the word I'll be on track, although the truth be told is you can get way off track with the word by itself, right? Look at all the cultists and everything else, right? So, um, so that's one mistake we don't want to make is to like say, God doesn't speak. I don't want to be open to that. 
Uh, the other mistake is to get so into the supernatural, and this I often see this with people that begin to experience for the first time in their life prophetic giftings. They go so into the picture I see or the, the, uh, the word I have from the Lord that we stop weighing it, we stop discerning it, and so what happens, pretty soon we're off in left field ruining our life because we've left the word of God behind to, to measure it, right? So here's how Paul puts it. He says that uh, when it comes to prophecy, which is one way that God speaks, a spiritual gift of prophecy, God has a message for you or for a church or whatever through a word of prophecy. He says this is how we need to approach it. He says, first of all, he says, do not quench the spirit. Well, what do you mean? How do we pour water on the spirit's fire? How do we quench the spirit? He says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecy. So one way to quench the Spirit's work in your life is to say, I don't, I'm not gonna be open to God speaking at all. I'm only gonna be open to what the Word of God says. I'm not gonna be open to any other way God communion. He says, when you do that, you're quenching the Spirit's fire in your life. Learning to hear God's voice is one of the most important skills a believer needs because when we learn to hear his voice, it changes the relationship. It truly becomes a personal relationship. It's powerful. So when we don't learn to do that, we quench the Holy Spirit. That's one mistake. But he says, but, he says, so don't despise prophecy, but he says, test everything and hold on to what is good and avoid every kind of evil. So when someone gives a word of prophecy, weigh it. Does that ring true? Does that fit with the word? Does it fit with the character of God? If it's encouraging and good and right and true, great, we're gonna hold on to that. But if not, we're gonna, no, it violates God's character of the word. We're gonna get rid of every kind of evil. Does that make sense? Such an important thing. And so this is what I, when someone comes to me and says, I think I may have the gift of prophecy, I always do two things. Number one, I recommend a book to help walk them through this. But second thing is, I want you to get a special journal. And I want you to, what I want you to do, and for this journal, only write down when you believe the Lord is speaking to you about something. He's giving you a picture. He's giving you, only write that down. Write it down carefully so that you can hold yourself accountable over time. And you can test over time, how good am I at this hearing God thing? And, you know, and so that you can self-correct along the way because otherwise what can happen, you get so into the supernatural and you're just like, you're like the church of Corinth. You're so into the supernatural, you miss the obvious. And pretty soon, I've had close friends who love Jesus, who know his word super well, who've gotten off track here because they came so in love with the supernatural, this, this, this obviously supernatural, that they neglected the most consistent supernatural and they ended up kind of off track. Right? So that's number one. Uh, what's the message? Number two, what are, the char- what are its characteristics? You know, when God speaks to us, it, that God has a certain voice. It's, his voice has certain characteristics. Now, a human voice is like this, that we can recognize someone's voice without even seeing a picture, just hear them in a movie or something, even in the other room. You, you recognize, we're very good at recognizing voice by their tone, by their quality, by their frequency, by their cadence, by their pitch. And it's very similar with God's voice. As you learn, you learn to discern God's voice. You learn to catch the characteristics. Now, it's not audible characteristics, but characteristics, qualities, none, nonetheless. So, for example, on your note sheet, 
In Psalm 29, it says, the voice of the Lord, or Yahweh, the voice of Yahweh is what? Powerful. Okay, we'll come back to that. Uh, the next verse, uh, Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect. It's, what does it do to our souls? It refreshes the soul. Um, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. They make what? Wise, the simple. Those they, they bring insight, understanding. Uh, the precepts of the Lord are right. They give what to the heart? They give joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So what you find is that this, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, it's the same Holy Spirit who inspired Scripture. And if the Holy Spirit spoke to you, his voice is going to have the same qualities. So for example, when God speaks, it has an inherent power in it. It has an inherent uh, weightiness to it. It has a, a self-authenticating sense of truth. I love the quote there from E. Uh, Stanley Jones that was in the journal too. The voice of the subconscious, in other words, our own mind, it argues with you. It tries to convince you. But the inner voice of God does not argue. It does not try to convince you. It just speaks and it's self-authenticating. It has the feel of the voice of God within it. That's hard to put into words, but there's a self-authenticating power, uh, weightiness that's different than your own thoughts. Um, uh, what else? What other characteristics? We'll look at Psalm 19 again. Uh, it refreshes the soul. When God speaks, it's encouraging. When God speaks, it refreshes us. Look at the next thing. Uh, it makes wise the simple. When God speaks, confusion goes away and clarity comes. Right? Uh, next one, uh, it gives joy to the heart. When God speaks, it brings joy to our life. Uh, when God speaks, it gives light to the eyes, illumination. We can see clearly. And so here's what I catch is when the Holy Spirit speaks, there's, a, there's certain characteristics. When Satan speaks, it's very different. Uh, even, when, even when the Holy Spirit needs to speak with sternness and severity, which he does. You know, God can be very stern, can't he? You see it all the time in his word. And when God is stern, there's a sternness and severity. I think of the lion witch in the wardrobe. You know, is Aslan, a sa- is, is, Aslan the si- is Aslan safe? No, he's not safe. He's good. And the Holy Spirit is not safe. He can be severe. But here's the difference. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he does not humiliate. Satan humiliates. When the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks truth, but he doesn't attack your core identity. He doesn't name call. Satan name calls. Look at you. You consider yourself a Christian. How can you consider you a Christian? You'll never get any better. You'll never get over this. The Holy Spirit will never say that sort of thing. It's not who he is. He speaks refreshment. He speaks joy. He speaks courage. He speaks hope. He speaks peace. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it brings life and peace. When the enemy speaks, when when our own mind speaks, it often brings death. It brings discouragement. It brings despair. And so even when he speaks, the way I wrote it is that the Holy Spirit convicts without shame. The Holy Spirit rebukes without condescension. And the Holy Spirit enlightens without embarrassment. And the longer we learn to hear, we begin to pick up on the qualities, the characteristics of God's voice. 
And then number three, the third question is, does it last? One of the things we see is when God speaks, his word lasts. Like it says there on Psalm 19, uh, he says the, the decrees of the Lord are firm. In other words, that God isn't like you and I. He doesn't make plans or promises one day and change them. He's, he's, not like, he's not like you and I, like, oh, I didn't see that coming. I need to adjust. Right? He's not like, you know, um, like he, he's not, um, oh, yeah, uh, can we adjust that uh, instruction I gave you? Right? That when the Holy Spirit speaks, his word lasts. There's a firmness to it. You can take it to the bank. This is why, like, uh, one, one of the things I've learned in discerning the voice of the Lord is to weigh it over time. So the very rarely, very rarely is the Lord going to tell you something that has to be done immediately. There are times, but in general, the Satan will try to rush you. The Spirit's going to give you time to weigh that. And so, for example, I've learned in my life, if I feel like God is speaking to me, I'm, I, I'm pretty clear of it right away, but I'm going to wait because I know that if it's of the Lord, it's going to last. It's going to be there next week. It's going to be there a month from now. It's not going to fade away. It has a permanence. It's firm. So, for example, when I woke up that Friday morning and felt like God downloading me out of the blue, that we were to do this study called Pursuing God, and I was to write it, and I was both excited and terrified. You remember that story? That right away, I knew it was from the Lord. Right away, I sensed that intuitive sense, this is from the Lord. But it was huge. It had huge implications for our church huge implications for my life. There was a lot riding on this, and so I continued to wait on the Lord and continued to pray, and I asked my wife, would you pray about this? And I talked with our key leaders. Here's what I believe God's putting in my heart. How does that sound to you? Because I knew if it's the Lord, it will last. It will not fade away. And it's so important because during this whole writing project, there was moments of complete despair, Honestly, and not like once, several. It's too big, too much. I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. I'm too tired. And in those times, the word of the Lord was firm. And I could go back to that word. In fact, there's a specific promise that he gave me that was on my computer screen that I kept almost every day because the word, the Holy Spirit continued to speak through that. He continued to affirm that word. The word of the Lord is firm. So when I meet someone, they say like, oh, the Lord spoke to me last week. He's really leading me. Oh, that's awesome. What are you gonna do? I'm going to move to Montana. Great. That sounds great. I have a sister who lives in Montana. And the next week, you know what? I heard from the Lord, and he said, it's not really Montana. It's Kentucky. <laughs> it's like I know right away you may love Jesus, but you still need to learn how to hear his voice because he doesn't change from Tuesday to Thursday. Right. Number four. The fourth question is, does it work? I don't know if you've noticed this, but God is brilliant. <laughs> and he is creative, and he's powerful, and his plans work. Have you noticed in the Bible, he never comes to someone halfway through and say, oh, we need to change the plan. I just didn't see this one coming, you know? Like Moses, that old Pharaoh thing, we're going to need to go to plan B. I'm sorry, but whoops, you know, uh, Whoops is not in his vocabulary. <laughs> so when he says to Joshua, you go do this and you will have success, that's pretty much how he, he rolls. 
He says, do this and you'll be successful. Now that success may be look different than what we would call success at times. Like it might end to persecution and death, for example. Uh, and there may be times where you, like, you know, like God told Moses, go down there and, and do this and this is what I'm gonna do. But about halfway through, early on, when uh, Pharaoh's saying double the, uh, double the bricks, you know, but no straw, Moses is going, did I really hear from you? There may be times where God leads you, you go through a time of darkness, you're not sure, but here's the thing, if God has spoken, you're gonna come out of that darkness and you're gonna win. Right? If God is in it, it's going to win. So God doesn't give us instructions for failure. Hey, this is what you need to do. Oh, sorry, it didn't work out. And so this is where, for me, it's one of the greatest values I've put on my life in holding myself accountable. If I'm being led by the Lord, it's going to work. Like I felt like I was saying, go through rooted. I felt that strongly. If we'd gone through rooted and it broke our church up, and I would be going back and say, did I hear you right? And over the years, I've learned to trust, and it's like I had high confidence in what God tells me and whatever, but I still hold myself to that standard. Too many times I've seen people, their life is a mess. They go from one disaster to another, but they're always telling you how God told me this and God told me that and God's leading here. And it's like, brother, I don't know what's going on. I don't think you're here in the right channel <laughs> because your life is a mess. In the last 10 years, we've gone through three marriages, do this, bankruptcy twice, and every step along the way, you're telling me God's leading you to do this. It's like, that doesn't sound like the God I know who speaks into creation incredible beauty, complexity, and order. Amen? And so as followers of Jesus, this is our birthright to learn how to listen and follow, that God calls us to a two-way relationship, two-way communication. And my hope today is that as we've talked about some of the more common ways that maybe if you've even felt like you don't hear the voice of God, that even today there would be some things like, maybe I have, and I'm just like that young child that's learning to hear my father's voice. And so I'm just gonna continue to listen and follow and continue to ask God to speak because I want to get to a place where I'm hearing him crystal clear because I want a relationship and I want a partnership that's not operating in the dark. I wanna know the voice of God in my life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that as we come uh, today to worship, you would speak, you would lead, you would guide, you would take these things and write them on our heart. And God, as we talk today, you are the God who spoke creation into existence. You are the God who spoke and called us from darkness to light. You are the God who opened up our eyes so we could hear your voice. And we pray, God, that you would continue to pour out your spirit in this place and in our lives so we'd continue to learn how to listen and follow so we could be a light on a hill. And this could be a place where people could come to know God in a very powerful, personal, firsthand way. We pray as we bring you our gifts, our offering, you use it for that purpose. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.